This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the third edition of LFP Live. As you know, we are here every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. I see some people are already in chat. People are up early. You love to see that. I'm here with Brian. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, great start to uh, my Sunday. You know, always happy to, you know, get get out there this early and without having to leave the house. So it's uh, it feels like I'm being social. But I don't actually have to leave. It's it's a perfect balance for me. We're being we're being social with the LFP fans. They're they're here with us <laughs> live on a Sunday morning. Um, and yeah, Matt Hyman in chat here right off the bat, saying good morning. What a comeback! I mean, what a way to start your Saturday. Um, if you're a Jets fan, eleven thirty start. Oh. Um, and I guess maybe by the time it actually got entertaining, it was kind of the mid afternoon time there, but. Yeah, down 3 nothing going into the third. A big five-goal comeback. We will get into that in just a second. But good morning to everyone. Yeah, people people are yeah. here in chat. You love to see that. Um, we're here every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Um, Elliot wasn't able to make it today. Just Brian and I. But yeah, let's get into this 5-3 game. A huge win, a five-goal period. Uh, the third unanswered. Brian, what were your thoughts on just... Let's just talk about the third period because, I mean, the first few periods... I mean, they turned the puck over a few times, looked like that Dallas first period, but that third period, that comeback, what what did you see? Well, firstly, y- you guys can all thank me for the, the comeback because I was watching. They were absolutely laying an egg, and then I left to go grab a bite to eat, and everything happened. Um, yeah. But no, I went back and I rewatched that third period, and it was just a level of... This is not how we want to go out on our own terms and this is not our terms. And yeah, yeah, it was just a thing of beauty to see how quickly they strung together those goals to, you know, tie it up and then to take the lead on, uh, you know, a Pyotr Kochekov masterclass outside the crease. Um, Yeah. If you see the thumbnail of this LFP live, it's him like. I don't know, 10 feet outside of the blue paint like, diving for a puck. It's dude, you're outnumbered. Like, don't don't do it. To see that. Yeah. I mean, he'd been poke checking all game and he had been doing kind of like chaotic things. That's like kind of his MO in net. But man, in a one-on-one race, and uh and and you really jump out there, and, and I guess he made the play uh on Nemesnikov and then Monahan it got poked off. But speaking well, of he like, missed two poke checks on two other goals. Right. On the uh the Nino uh little you know forehand backhand hello right. uh and then uh the Shifley he missed two poke checks there. So he's like you know what I'm gonna go all in on this one and then he just whiffed entirely. All in with three minutes left. Yeah that's that's really interesting. Um but speaking of I mean 
the the second period they go down 3-0 you know some mistakes rick bone has talked about a bad line change some some penalty killing issues um or power play issues sorry and then the power play gets them the tying goal in the third and they erase that three goal lead in what four and a half minutes five yeah. minutes um unbelievable and speaking of like watching and then not watching um one of my good buddies jacob staller from the hockey news he was going to the moose game uh which started at i believe 2 p.m that day and it was the end of the second period the jets were down three not three nothing it wasn't looking too good i was like if i got changed and went right right now like i could make it for the start of the moose game um <laughs> and boy i'm glad i didn't because i would have completely missed that or i would have listened to it on the radio i guess on the drive there but wow what a period Some paul edmonds um, action there paul edmonds yes um <laughs> winnipeg sports talk remus actually put together the uh the he always syncs up the radio call with the goal. He did it for Shifley's goal. Is is great. Paul Edmonds is, oh. is awesome. But um, yeah, what a what a game. I mean, we've got some people in here um, giving their thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's joining us right away at 9 a.m. We really appreciate it. Um, the goalie's job is to tend the goal. That was the first thing um, I tweeted out with the the clip of the goal. I said, if you're a goaltender, dot dot dot. Um, and then the Jets even posted a TikTok of. Uh, of with the, Steve the, Dangle, Steve Dangle's voice saying like "10 the goal" is great. Um, yeah, the offensive intensity of that third period. Shifley's forechecking. Kim brings up a great point here. That first goal of the third, um, Kyle Connor's goal. Mark Shifley is battling away in the corner, and he like looked so determined to win that battle. He was battling for over ten seconds, um, fighting off multiple checks just to like shovel a puck two feet to Nikolai Ehlers. Like it wasn't to, you know, get into the slot and get a great eight chance. It was just to keep the possession alive. Ehlers yeah. made a Morrissey made a play and then Kyle Connor one timer. Um, and the jets got going and it was because of Mark Shifley. I thought that was one of Shifley's best games of the year. I mean, that period as well. Ehlers played an incredible game. Josh Morrissey as well. Um, what, what, what can you say that the stars came to play and Connor Halbuck was again, a star net. Was there anyone, or any play in particular that, that you look back on and you're like, that was more important than we thought. Well, I, I truly think that I have seen time and time again that the Jets will get one or two goals back and then they'll settle back into whatever style they were playing beforehand because mm -hmm. it's closer. And then they can't muster up that third goal. We've seen it a few times. Like, And I actually, a game that kind of reminds me of it is the... Uh, the Dallas game on, I think it was on the day of the, the West final where yeah. they went down and then started clawing their way back in the third and then could not, could not get the time goal. Right. It felt as if they knew in every way possible, they had the momentum after they got those first two quick ones there and they took total control and from that point forward, you could just tell, I mean, they, uh, Kane's called their timeout didn't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I truly think the biggest thing for me is they did not take their foot off the gas, regardless of how sort of momentum shifting it was. And that was massive. And, you know, seeing, you know, guys like Nino, you know, be difference makers and, you know, Shifley and Connor scoring. Um, and also just like really nice goals. Like they're like a lot of them just yeah. weren't, you know super just like you know fluky things like the little forehand backhand shelves and everything getting 
yeah uh you know the goalie to slide out of the crease it's there's something so beautiful about it but Shifley's they, they were goal la- they was, were loud yeah. goals oh for sure yeah and and Shifley's goal was gorgeous I mean Josh Morrissey kind of pokes the puck to him and he's got all day Kachekov poke checks one way he like backhands the other way to tie the game like that was that was one of the the nicest goals of the year especially when you take in all the context the fact that they're storming back Jeff Kabilis in chat um a loyal WST chatter listener um big fan of the pod so thank you Jeff for for joining us on this Sunday morning says Paul Edmonds is the best love him from his gold eyes days his his gold Um, eyes calls are absolutely outstanding there listen I'm just briefly I'm going to take it on a tangent here my favorite like almost of all time in terms of just sports calls in general um the uh gold eyes are in the playoffs it's like the 10th inning and they ended up winning the game on a 3-0 blast from Barbero Canazares, who sent the ball into the river, I'm fairly certain. But he swung on 3-0, and Paul Edmonds, they had a camera in the booth with him, because uh, that, that's when the games were still on Shaw, and mm-hmm. he was like slamming his legs and like they <laughs> he's rounding third and on the way to home. And I'm sure you guys yeah. can hear it with how he calls Jets games. But that yeah. that call has stuck in my mind since the day I watched it. And yeah, I, whenever I hear his voice, I'm like immediately that's I, I, I just immediately think of Barbero Canizares. Yeah, Cabillas yeah. knows what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh he he I know a lot of people that do sync up the radio call with the TV broadcast. Um, because you know, they, they appreciate Paul Edmonds. He's been doing this a long time, but lost in all of that also is the fact that Dan Robertson had a game, like in terms of calling the comeback, like I I was watching it on TV and he had me so interested in the game and like so fired up. And then when Monaghan scored, like he, he's the Jets fans are so unbelievably lucky to go from Dennis Bayak to Dan Robertson. And this whole time on the radio, it's been Paul Edmonds. Like th- that, that is an unbelievable trio of of play by play commentators. And Dan Robertson is fantastic as well. Um, Shafley almost danced through their D. Yeah, he had a ton of opportunities like that. Um, really like Sandberg's game, poised and confident, good decisions. Again, when he when Dylan was suspended for those three games, I thought those were Sandberg's three best games of the season when he was elevated. Um, and again, last night I thought he was I thought he was great. Carolina is a really good four checking team. They throw a lot of shots on net. He handled it well. Um, Kabila saying Nino needed to get those goals. It was awesome and to do it against his old team was even sweeter. 100 percent I think in the post game when they do the jackets, um Nino uh said like way to take my money or something. So you know how NHL players put like money on the board? He clearly put like money <laughs> on the board because it's his old team and uh and the Jets stole his money because they they won. Um, Matt saying Stanley didn't stand out in a negative way. I agree. I mean, I think he's jumped in here and kind of filled in plugged holes and he hasn't looked too, too bad. Um, especially after not playing since December, he had a few games there when Dylan was suspended, obviously. And, and he's been, he's been okay. Like he's, he's, I think he's been a serviceable seventh defenseman that can step in. What did you think of both Sandberg and Stanley on the back end? Cause obviously Morrissey's, Morrissey (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I'm of the mindset that Dylan Sandberg is the guy 
to be the next top four guy whenever because that's the thing like there's a solid chance that we lose a top four guy uh in free agency like there's been a lot coming out recently about you know brendan Dillon. does he find his way to vancouver in the offseason that sort of thing right. and i think the jets are seeing now that that second pairing with dylan sandberg on it is going to be just fine and yeah. i that to me is such a great thing to see because there was I mean, he was bouncing in and like in and out of the lineup last year whether that was rightfully so i'm not going to you know delve into that but uh he was like that's the thing like the coaching staff mm -hmm. saw him as that bubble guy that they could bring in and out now they're he's the one to move up and i can only imagine they're seeing good things from him and then yeah. stanley yeah like i mean like i've been critical of him in the past but i haven't seen anything uh you know overtly to the level of what i would criticize in the past uh so far in his games this season like he has moments uh he always does but like i feel mm -hmm. like those moments are decreasing um and i think that's a good thing and i have to say yeah. too like oh, i think we have to give some flowers here to, to nate schmidt for that pass to uh yeah. uh to nino there on that that goal because he he has been doing a really good job even if the, the offense isn't there necessarily mm -hmm. He has done a really good job this year with his pinching and deciding when to activate because he doesn't just activate like he's going to be down at the goal line uh, doing things. And he his little backhand saucer pass across there was just gorgeous. And yeah. I, I truly think that that is exactly what needs to happen for the Jets to be successful is you need to have that good balance of what Schmidt does normally, which is for the most part play a really good defensive game I mean, him and Sandberg have put up some of the best, you know, expected goals against numbers in the entire league, but he also is a very smart player. And I know that obviously there's a lot of chatter about, you know, the, his future with the team and his contract, and that's totally fair. But for the time being, when he's here, if he's doing that, that's exactly what we need from a guy on the third pairing is someone who can make a yeah. difference offensively in addition to his defensive game. And as kind of like a puck mover, um, there are times where his puck management is spotty. Um, but like you said, that that pass on the uh, Niederreiter goal is fantastic. There's one angle kind of from Niederreiter's side, uh, and you see Schmidt coming down the wing. And Niederreiter's not open until he's like in the slot and with the puck's on his stick. And Schmidt kind of peeks, and then he's still skating, and he doesn't look again because he knows Niederreiter's going to be open and then puts it right on his tape allowing Niederreiter to go forehand backhand. If that puck's wobbly, if that puck's in his feet, he can't do that. He just is going to have to shovel it on net, right? Um, it's a flat pass right on his tape, forehand backhand. And yeah, that was, that was a huge goal. And then the Jets get the power play like a minute later. And then 20 seconds into the power play, Shifley scores. There was a barrage and it was so much fun to watch. Oh. Stanley did well in the penalty kill as well. That is very true. Um, his penalty killing talent is something that the coaching staff has referenced and why he's in the lineup. So it's nice to see that kind of shine through Matt Hyman saying, imagine if Sandberg Pionk was a third pairing. I believe I posted actually yesterday. Um, their expected goals is like 64% or something going into they that work. game. Yeah, they work together. And uh, that we're going to talk from... about that more, I think later with some of our yeah. trade talk, because we're definitely going to bring up some defensemen, but no, Matt having a pairing like that as a third pairing would be the best thing that could possibly happen to that third pairing is just it feels way more of like a difference making and it also it feels way better for neil pionk yeah 
Yeah, totally. And uh, like, yeah, sheltered minutes for Pionk might see a bump in his analytics and his play. And we'll definitely talk about that in a bit. Um, but that sample size I I posted about was from when Dylan was suspended, Sandberg moved up, and those two were were great in the two Leafs games and uh, and one game kind of sandwiched either before or after that. But yeah, um, DeMello will be cheaper. Dylan will take his talents elsewhere. Those are the two big, I mean, there's those two, there's Perfetti and there's Monaghan for who the Jets have to sign this year. And I think they have roughly 14 million in cap. Um, we could talk more about that later as well when we get into trades, kind of what their cap sheet looks like. Um, but yeah, th that's huge decisions on the back end because Rick Bonus loves those two guys. They play big minutes. Um, Kabila saying TSN Jets did a good job bringing in Robertson and hometown guy John Liu. Couldn't agree more. Uh, the the television broadcast is fantastic. And yesterday was a perfect example. Um, yeah, Dan, Ro Dan Robertson doing his thing. Um, shame about Declan Chisholm. He's going to be a good NHL defenseman. He has actually looked pretty good for the Wild. Um, I think I think that was kind of expected to happen just in training camp. They were expected to lose Chisholm. They lost him all this way into the season. Not to make that okay, but... Um, yeah, he's actually been pretty good for the wild so far. I think Cole sitting, I think sitting Cole will light a fuse in his game. Well, I sure hope it does from Kabilis here. I do want to talk about this. So now is a perfect time. Yeah. Cole Perfetti didn't play yesterday. Um, we won't know until warmups because the jets aren't skating today. They do play tonight, 6 PM against the Sabres. We won't know if Perfetti's playing until tonight. Um, but Brian, Cole Perfetti scratch. Do you think it's the right idea? Do you think it was the right time to do it? Um, and do you think it'll help him going forward? Um, I think it was the right idea. I'm not sure if it was the time to do it already down a forward. Um, Velarde. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it felt like it was inevitable. Like regardless of if you agree with it or not, it felt like it was happening regardless. And the unfortunate fact of the matter is when something like that happens, and the team does something that loud in the comeback, it would not shock me to not see him out there for warmups and just they roll with the same lineup as they did yesterday. Um, maybe not the same lines, but the same personnel. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, as I said, whether you agree with it or not, it's a point where, you know, Perfetti is going to have to show that it meant something to him to get back into the lineup. And that's yeah. just the way, you know, bonus talks about guys. And like, we can, you can debate all you want about, you know, the fact that, you know, some guys, you know, get the, uh, the treatment that they do and some don't. And I get that. Um, there's a lot of questions I have about, you know, timing of certain things and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, guys like Perfetti getting publicly, you know, called out by the coach and some guys not, but whether you agree or not, he's been struggling as of late. And I do think that playing him with some offensive guys would help spark his game too but I feel like this is what the coach sees as another option to spark his game. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I think also when Velarde was out, I was kind of thinking that this might be the perfect opportunity to get Perfetti back up into the top six, maybe playing with Connor and Shifley. This was before all this news. I thought maybe, you know, Velarde's out. Maybe this is the perfect time to give him a shot, you know, Carolina afternoon game, um, give him a shot on that top line, see what happens. They went the other route. They scratch him entirely, which is fine. It worked out fine. Well, for the first two periods, it didn't work out fine. And then they reunited Connor Shifley Ehlers. Uh, and there was just a massive trickle down effect in that forward group. And that, that top line just dominated. 
Um, so I think if <laughs> I don't mind, I, I think he comes back in tonight. If I had to guess on the second night of the back to back, um, Gustafson hasn't played in a long, long time and he just came back into the lineup. So I don't think they're going to keep him in on that second night of the back to back. Um, I think Perfetti will be back in tonight, depending on where, I mean, if it's the fourth line, whatever, again, like you said, he's struggling. Um, and you just got to see slow improvement in his game. And, uh, and yeah, I think that the Dallas game, I think that turnover early on really, really cost him. And they, they don't like what he's, he's providing to the team right now and you can't really blame them. Um, and yeah, uh, th this is a good point here in chat, smaller, younger guy played a lot of games against bigger, bigger men. A rest could be what he needs. That is true. Rick bonus kind of alluded to a mental reset. Uh, for him, like taking the pressure off of himself, um, uh, bonus basically said, like you, you get to this point where you put so much pressure on yourself to produce on the fourth line that you just get so tense and start making plays that aren't like you. And I, I think that pass in that Dallas game that he turned over is a prime example of that. That's him trying to make a play that's maybe out of his comfort zone, trying to do too much. Um, and we know he's a great passer. We know he has great vision. And that's a really uncharacteristic turnover from a guy that um, doesn't make those very often. So maybe that was yeah. the breaking point. They just say that that's not Perfetti. We know that's we know that's not him. Um, let's just give him a game off. And I don't mind bringing him back against Buffalo, putting him right back in the lineup because again, second night of back to back, you have a million games in the month of March. You're going to need to rotate guys in and out. Um, so yeah, I, I think he comes back in tonight if I had to guess. But I do think it was the right idea. I honestly do think it was the right time to do it as well. Carolina is a really good forechecking team. He's coming off that rough game against Dallas. Um, again, for 40 minutes, it didn't work. Um, and then they they switched the lines in the third and it did work, right? So that's kind of the, the, the interesting talking point there because if they don't switch the lines in the third and they don't end up winning, maybe we're t sitting here talking about how it just didn't work in general. Um, but it ended up working because they... They made a big change. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers on the top line, what I alluded to there, uh, resulted oh. in a trickle-down effect. I think the second line was Nemesikov, Monahan, Ayafalo, who scored the game-winning goal. Um, Niederreiter scored two, obviously, and then Cal Connor and Mark Scheifele each scored on the top line in the third. Do you want to see the Jets? Obviously, we've been very vocal. We want to see Nikolai Ehlers on the top line, but do you want to see them roll with those that same top nine configuration of Connor, Scheifele, Ehlers, and the rest being the rest? I don't care what the rest of it is, as long as Shifley and Ehlers are together. There is like a several year sample size that show that those two, regardless of who their line mate is, are a better combo than whatever it is without Ehlers. Yeah. Like, and especially this year too. Um, even like that's the thing. Guy Shifley Ehlers has been a absolute dominant force. Doesn't matter if it's Connor, doesn't matter if it's Velarde. They have linked up for some of the most dominant periods of hockey that we have seen from this team in years. And yeah. as I said, there's a sample size from, you know, when there, whether it was like, you know, injuries to Blake Wheeler or whoever was moving around in the past, when Ehlers moves up and plays with Shifley, those two make magic together. That being said, it, uh, it feels as if the, I mean, both coaching staffs from before and now yeah. believe that a lot of the chemistry is because of Shifley and Connor, which is. Which there's, I think there's because... offensive chemistry there, 
like in, in spurts too. Like, in spurts, but like it's just like, not like as, as similar the to the Ehlers thing. Ehlers. There, yeah. There's such a sample size to show that those two yeah. without Ehlers, they don't they don't have it. Like they're like even if they do score, they're gonna get outscored. Um, and I, I feel like you have to have uh Ehlers playing with Shifley for this team to reach their offensive height. And whether that's because that's the thing, there's a chance Velarde comes back tonight. Mm-hmm. And like, do you immediately oh, just true. do you put just Velarde on the uh the second line with um uh I guess I'm trying to think of who would move because they've kind of been jump jumping guys all over the place. Yeah. Velarde's um, actually uh now that you say this, I'm remembering it from yesterday. Velarde was sent back to Winnipeg for, for the, oh, I didn't see the that. evaluation. So he won't be playing tonight, but he could play Tuesday and your point still stands for where he comes back. In the yeah. Line. Like yeah. either you put him back on that top line and reunite the dream team of Velarde, Shifley, Ehlers, or you put him on the second line with Monaghan and I'm assuming I follow. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, they were slow, but they were a... A decent line when, like, I think Monahan and Velarde together were, uh, you know, they were all right. Uh, we know that Ayafalo has, you know, had success on that second line, and I feel like the best, like, if you if you're not going to reunite that uh, the Velarde Shifley Ehlers line, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen, there's been plenty of opportunity to do it. Um, I do yeah. think that the next best thing is to have Connor Shifley Ehlers, and then figure the rest out. And let, let, I also wanted to say one thing. I forgot to mention this earlier. The mm-hmm. the thing that I also noticed of the uh, the Carolina game, uh, that third line had a great game. Um, yes, the sustained pressure was great, and I feel like if they, it seems like when they click, um, it is a matter of time that the rest of the team sort of finds the space. But yeah, no, I think the top nine configuration has to be someone Shifley Ehlers, and then figure the rest out, and then Nita Ryder Lowry Appleton. Yeah, right. And look, the Ehlers Shifley Velarde line, you know, the, the number they outscored their opponents 15 to four when they were together. The analytics were there. The expected goals number was through the roof. Uh, but the Connor Shifley Ehlers line, not as dominant, but also very good in terms of the analytics outscoring their opponents. I think after yesterday's game, now they've outscored their opponents six to one. Um, obviously, smaller sample size than the Ehlers Shifley Velarde line that was together for. A month and a bit when Kyle Connor was out, but I I agree with you. I think for tonight's game especially, Buffalo keep that line together, see what happens, um, and I I think that they're going to do what they usually do, and that's dominate the analytics, expected goals, and even outscore their opponents in the real goals, um, which which is all that matters, right? Um, last thing on kind of this Carolina game before we move on, choice STK or choices TK brought up a good point here um, a while back that I've been saving here, but will the Carolina win be a turning point game? We know the jets haven't been kind of themselves. Like they, they won seven of eight against some bad teams um, coming out of the all-star break. Uh, But the five on five game hasn't really been there. That third period was more like that was Winnipeg jets hockey as, as Rick bonus would say that was, that was five on five dominance. They even scored on the power play. They shut down the Hurricanes entirely. Hellbuck did have to make some big saves, but that was more what what we've seen all season long. And I don't know who brought it up on Twitter, so I'm I'm sorry that I can't associate this to whoever brought the idea. But 
they brought up the fact that the LA game was a massive comeback as well earlier in the season. Um, and they, they ended up winning that game five, two on the road, Velarde's revenge game. That was a high emotional game. Um, and this is, this is very, I don't want to say similar, um, but another huge comeback win against a huge, uh, a really good team on the road can, can kind of give them momentum to, to roll through March and be a turning point game. Do you think the Carolina game could, we could look back on it and be like, wow, that, that was the turning point where they really refound their game and, and rolled through March. Uh, I think at the very least at the very beginning of March here, I think it needs to be because it needs to show, I think the, the front office that this team is worth mm. continuing to spend on. They've already put a first round pick out, which to me signals that they're not finished because you wouldn't, you know, just deal out a first round pick if you're not even considering further improving the team. Mm -hmm. But I also think that this is your opportunity to, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Um, I don't typically listen to them because there's a lot of chaos and stuff. I don't agree with, but <laughs> off of spit and chicklets. Yes. Um, yeah. An unnamed NHL player called the Jets the biggest frauds in the NHL. They're in the Western Conference. Um, they are in a playoff spot, and they could face the Jets uh, in the first round. Um, and there's, I, there's bet if obvious... you give me, I bet if you give me five guesses, I could, if, if Ryan Whitney, like you hooked him up to a, a lie detector test, I bet if you gave me five guesses, I could. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Jamie Benn, um, like that one and two, done. Like LA, Dallas yeah. could both meet. Like, honestly, I... I, I think if it's not one of those two, there, there's a good list of players who you could probably guess. But anyways, keep going. But my point with that was this is the Jets' chance to be like, oh, you think we're frauds? Let's roll yeah. through the rest of March and let's see what you think. You know, let's, you know, let's win the Central and face off against, you know, the let's win the West. Let's, you know, let's do that. And it's like, then what? Because clearly... Uh, you're not a fraud if you're leading the league for almost the entire year. You're in the top five in the league for the last, you know, five months, essentially. Yeah. And I'm looking at the schedule here. And yes, there's a lot, but there's a lot of gimmies in here, too, that you you need to take the points mm -hmm. from. You, yes. Like you're facing, uh, like the Kraken are very up and down. Um, and then you get a space where you play the Canucks again which another statement game, I think you get uh, teams like the Capitals, the Ducks, the Jackets, um, the struggling Devils, the Capitals again, um, and then the yeah. Senators to finish out the month. Like that's those are a lot of games you need to win. You can't you mm -hmm. cannot give those easy points away because then you also face, you know, playoff teams. You face a lot of playoff teams this month. As much as it's weird to me, the Predators are in a playoff spot. I didn't anticipate and they're that rolling. They're they, they've rolling. won what, seven or eight straight. Um, yeah, they get seven straight. They just beat the Avs five one last night. Yep. Um, the the Rangers, um, you know the 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 Oilers are coming in at the end of the month. Golden Knights, as we know, have a little run here where they've beaten us a lot in a row. Um, mm -hmm. So that that feels like another one of those games, especially because that's at the end of March. That's going to be rolling right into playoff season. If you can come out yep. near the end of March, and you know. At that point, too, we have no idea where the playoff race is going to stand and who's right. clinched, who hasn't. But end of March, you get the Oilers and the Golden Knights back to back. Yeah. Like that is 
eight. And I believe they end their season. There. Yeah. And I believe they end their season against the Canucks at home. They do. Like it's the final game of the year. So that could be for the one seed in the West. I mean, that would be pretty cool if that game actually had some stakes um, or like the number one spot in the league, even. I don't know. We'll exactly. See. Could be um, president's trophy. It could be for the president's trophy inside Canada Life Center. That'd be, that would be huge. Um, that would be awesome. But anyways, yeah, the, the I totally agree that there, there is a lot of gimmies in March. They are playing a lot of hockey, but this could be a game where they, um, they made a great point here, more of a statement than a turning point saying like, we're still here. This could be a game where they kind of refined who they are or who they were for that first half of the season and just roll some teams like Buffalo today. They beat Vegas last night, seven to two. Yeah. They, yeah, they dropped home, a touchdown so. and an extra point on them. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that there's no, they're a weird kind of your point. Yeah. They're a, a team that um, definitely is like, has some issues, but they're a young skilled team. I know coaches and Rick bonus like to say that about every single team. Like Chicago without Bedard is a young skilled team. It's like no, they're not. Um, but they are the Buffalo Sabers are actually a young skilled team. They have a lot of skill in their forward core. So tonight's going to be an interesting game. To see if the Jets can shut them down. Um, we're going to take a break here in just a second. Um, thank you everyone who's here live and commenting. We really appreciate it. Our third edition of LFP Live after a huge win, five three win yesterday. Um, when we come back, we're going to kind of lightly uh recap the loss in dallas then get into tonight's game against the jets and sabers um i did a kind of light preview there but and then we were going to talk about trades the trade deadline is friday march 8th um it's coming up like brian said like i've said many times i don't think the jets are done adding um and we'll roll roll through some names um what positions and then at the end of the episode as we always do and will do going forward we're going to take questions from you guys so stick around for that but we will be right back after a word from DraftKings. we know hockey games move fast but with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl you can score faster than anything happening on the ice this week new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet $5 on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024, all rights reserved. And thank you once again to DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. Brian, I kind of previewed it before we went into break there, but the Jets are playing the Sabres tonight. What are you looking for? The Sabres flying high, coming off a 7-2 win against Vegas. Um, and the Jets also flying high, coming off a big five-goal uh, third period in Carolina. What are you expecting tonight? Uh, give them a quick start because you need to keep the you know the good vibes rolling from that Carolina game. If you can yeah. keep that same attitude that you had in the third period, 
the second you get into this game, you're you're fine. Because yeah. I also don't know who's starting for. I didn't see who started for the Sabers last night against. It was uh, uh, UPL. Uh, okay, Luka Pekka Lukanen. So, so either he starts on the second night of a back to back, or we get um, who's there. I don't even know who their other goalie is this year, to be honest with you. Well, it's been Devin Levi at times. It's been. Um, I, I don't know. While you search it up, I'll say um, I'm looking for the Jets to. Okay, I'm looking for line rushes and warm up. I know it's a weird thing to say, but I want the Jets to keep that top line together. Connor Shifley Ehlers, we've we've talked about the analytics, how dominant they were in the third. If they do keep the same lines, um, we kind of know that that line's going to be great. I'm also looking for that second line. I follow Nemesnikov and Monahan, um, three players who are great on the four check. Uh, and can make things happen and they did on that game winner so i'll be watching definitely the top six i know that's kind of a, a cop out because everyone's gonna be watching the top six idiot but anyways um yeah eric who is the starter who is the starter uh it's see on daily faceoff it says unconfirmed uh ukopeka lukunen um oh again okay but eric comrie on the mm. score app is listed as expected um, revenge game revenge so game. yeah we will we will see um but yeah like it wouldn't actually shock me if we see upl again because you know he's young they're really giving him a, a, a run here and he's he's yeah. been up and down this year but he's finally looking like a guy who might be able to take that next step for them so yeah uh he might be tired but he is good so it wouldn't <laughs> shock me to see him but i mean it also wouldn't shock me to see eric comrie and you know he's played against us uh you know, fairly recently in terms of like actually like playing against the Jets, like not obviously not like recently in terms of the actual schedule, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting because like I said, Buffalo's a really young, talented forward core. Um, and they have Rasmus Dahlin and Owen power on their back end. So they, they really have a lot of talent on that team. I'm assuming Brendan Dillon is going to be out again. Uh, considering he was out yesterday with an illness. Um, maybe he's playing, but if he's out again, or even if he's playing, I'm, I'm looking to see if the Jets are able to shut them down, especially Dylan Sandberg. Um, there were some commenters earlier on in the show saying they were impressed with his game. I'm looking for him to follow that up tonight. Um, again, I guess a team that's fast. They're Tage Thompson, six, eight, and can stick handle in a phone booth. Like he's, he's unbelievable. And he is one of the best shots in the league. He's a former 40 definitely 40 goal score i'm not sure if he hit 50 that year but he's he's unbelievable and they've got a lot of guys dylan cousins jeff skinner um a lot of players up front that are really really good so i'm he looking to be better than they, are. they really should they're a team that the, them and the ottawa senators feels like every offseason their super young core is like about to take that jump um and with ottawa we're like hitting the point where like everyone's in their prime and it's like, all right, what are we doing here? And they, they're still not very good. Um, they, they can't get a save, but with Buffalo, it's like, here we go. Um, Tage Thompson is on an incredible contract. They're so set up. Owen power, Ross Mistaline. Um, They also at times can't get a save. UPL has been, been good for them, but yeah, C-Mac hits it on the head here. There's really no reason why Buffalo isn't a really good team. Tons of talent maybe too young they're strange yeah i mean games in the nhl learning how to handle a long season that's that's a real thing i mean in a through a jets I lens i think it's a coaching Petty. issue too yeah i mean they've been through multiple coaches i think though 
maybe but i i, I think that there ones. is a certain i don't know if it's the front office seeing this that i feel like they think they need to be more of a complete team and they bring in guys who don't capitalize on the fact that they've have some really really good offensive talent i'm sorry yeah. a team that has that level of forward group should not be you know only averaging you know the 22nd most goals per game in the league like yeah I'm sorry. That, that's not something that, you know, you like there's that they, they do shoot the puck a lot. I'm like, Oh my God, are they turning into Carolina of the last like five years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got a bunch of off offensive talent. They're focusing on the other side of the game and shot volume. Like that, that sounds like Carolina to me. And it took them a bit to get, you know, get to that point. But I'm just thinking of what a coach, uh, you know, that would sort of actually try and use some of this outright skill that they have yeah. in the roles that they need it and seeing where that team would go because right now like it's it's hard to look at that roster and be like wow they need to be more than one game above 500 that there yeah I, I agree and their third line according to daily faceoff zach benson casey middlestat jj paterka like three like casey middlestat i think is 25 now so i i don't know like he still falls under the category of a young player but he's hitting his prime for sure zach benson and jj paterka two young players that are going to be top six forwards in the NHL. And like they're on their third line and like, yeah, they're young. Maybe that's the problem. Like C-Mac says here, maybe they're too young and they're, they're a few years away, but man, they, that, that's their third line. They have Dylan cousins on their second line. They have Alex Tuck, uh, Tage Thompson, like man, they're Rasmus Dahlin, Owen power. Like <laughs> that core, like just on paper sounds unbelievable. Um, and then maybe Devin Levi becomes like this elite starter. And they're hopefully like a squeak in playoff team. Like Buffalo just needs to make the make the playoffs. Like this doesn't even need to be like a this core takes them to the Stanley Cup. It's like just give Buffalo a playoff team. Um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it feels like they've been suffering for too long. Uh, as Kabilis outlines here, I feel bad for the Sabers. They're almost there, but not even close to being there. One hundred percent agree. It feels like every year they get hyped up and they they don't make it. Um, but yeah, I let's talk about trades now. I think that that's a good kind of preview of Jets Sabres. As I said, trade deadlines this Friday, March 8th, we're going to be going live. Um, I know a ton of uh, Winnipeg media outlets are going live. Obviously this TSN trade center, there's going to be a ton of things that day um, for content, but Brian, what do you think the number one need is for the Jets to address? If you're here with us live on YouTube, drop a comment below. What do you think the number one thing the Jets should target is? Brian, what, what, what are your thoughts? So I feel like it's hard to say that because it's very situational because one, the one defenseman that I think the jets could target that would actually be able to fill the role that I would like him to be in is Sean Walker and Sean Walker, I think is not going to end up here. I feel like someone else is going to outbid the jets. Um, and I think Walker would be a perfect fit on that second pairing as a puck mover. It's a guy who's really good defensively. Um, but I also realized that anyone who's not him, I wouldn't trust to be played in the right role. Like yeah. I personally would love to bring in uh Carrier from Nashville. Firstly, mm -hmm. I don't even know if Nashville's selling at this point. Right. Cause like um, you said there. Yeah. But like, I also don't know if, he's a guy that bonus plays in the uh 
in the top four because then like obviously i am a huge proponent of the fact that it does not matter how tall you are as a defenseman as long as you move the puck fast enough um carry is only 5'11 and a lot of people are holding that against him but i'm like okay but watch how he plays he plays a game that would benefit the jets greatly if you move the puck up to that forward group you're going to be good and yes matt dylan walker would be a fantastic pairing and i've been thinking about that for a while but yeah, I, I feel like another thing too is we also have heard recently that Walker might be re-signing. And so yeah. this, all of this is to say, I think that a forward is the best option because <laughs> I feel like you can acquire a an impact guy to fill that. I feel like there's an open spot on that second line um, because clearly they've viewed Perfetti as not that guy. They move Ayafalo around, they move Nemastikov around. Um, I think what you need to do is you need to acquire a guy who can put the puck in the net, who isn't a slouch defensively, um, and put him on that second line wing. And my ideal target, I, I would love Pavel Buchnevich, either too expensive or I don't see it happening. Um, Two first round picks apparently is the price. Yeah. I mean, at least for now, that'll probably go down, but, right. um, I think my ideal target is Anthony Mantha from uh, Washington. If you can somehow package him with Trevor Van Riemsdyk to have him as like a third pairing um, at the very least. And like, I love Nate Schmidt and I was talking about him earlier. I think you need to bring someone in who takes the revolving door of Schmidt Stanley down a little bit. And I, that's the mm -hmm. thing we, we were saying that Stanley has been, you know, better than what we have made him out to be in the past. I also just don't think that, you know, it's in your best interest though, to have those two as like the rotating uh, thing. So if you get a guy who has been like, I've been a huge Trevor Van Riemsdyk fan for a long, long time. And I've always, I've, I've had him as a target last year. Um, but I truly think that Anthony Mantha and just looking at Washington would be a fantastic fit. He's a great defensive player. He scores, even though they don't play him there. Um, yeah, he would be, I think in the top three in jets goal scoring, despite being in very sheltered third, fourth line minutes, because uh, Spencer Carberry and uh, Washington has no clue how to use anyone outside of Ovechkin. Cause I feel like I mean, the <laughs> entire point of that is just to get him to the record. That's the um, entire point of the Washington capitals at this point. They're actually like close to a playoff spot weirdly. Uh, but like, they're not really like they're, they're like they're like Nashville last year. They're there, but they're come on. Like, let's let's yeah. Be real. But if you if you run, though, Monaghan and Mantha together with another one of the forwards who has been sort of going on that line, because there's a bit of a, a thing there um, where it seems like, as I said, there's a revolving door. I feel like that is a line that could take you deep into the playoffs, because uh, the thing is, too, is Mantha plays the right way as bonus would say he is very strong on the defensive side of the puck who can also bury it. And that's a very rare breed of guy that would be possibly available. Yeah. And I think Mantha Lowry Niederreiter would be one of the most like physically imposing lines in the league. But like, you have that's options. Just, that's just three massive people like on it, like at the end, like, <laughs> at, at the absolute minimum those are just three massive people that will get pucks deep play the right way and uh and just be physical in the playoffs and yeah there, there's real value in that i think um that would be an upgrade on appleton in that spot too 
And then Mantha, obviously, like you said, there's options. He can play a top six role. He can play a Nino Niederreiter style in a top six role. Um, I mean, one might argue that playing on the Lowry line is playing in a top six role, but um, that, that, that that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on is, is Mantha if they do go the route of a scoring winger. I think the way to go uh, is getting a defenseman. You outlined it off the top, Sean Walker, um, I think is the number one option on the board. So how realistic is he um, as a potential acquisition? I'm not sure because it feels like a lot of teams are in on him. You look at a team like Edmonton who desperately needs a top four right-handed defenseman um, and, and one that can move the puck up to McDavid and dry settle. And those guys, uh, I think they are going to go all in on Walker. If he's even available, I, I can't tell if this whole extension thing for sealer and Walker is like a it feels a like a value play. Yeah, it does because they also came out with a report that they're looking to package them both in a deal. Like send Walker and Sealer to the same team. And I'm like wild well, to me. But they're both they're trying to extend them both. I don't know. I think I think they're gonna trade uh Walker for sure. I think his value's so high. They signed him for super cheap in the offseason or, or got him in a trade. I'm not sure how they acquired him, but they got him for cheap and now he's he's playing at a top four level he's playing great so i think they they move him um and i i think a- alexander carrier from the nashville predators i think is a great fit as well like you said a puck mover 511 i mean sure he's not big but neil pionk's not that tall either um and they 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 work on that second pair dylan and pionk here and there so i think carrier if he was playing the right role, that being with Dylan, moving Pionk down to the third pair, I talked about the Sandberg-Pionk expected goals numbers earlier in the year, um, hovering around 64%, which is un- unreal for, and that would be unreal for a third pairing. I think Carrier upgrades the puck moving in the top four um, and gives you a younger option if you want to re-sign him instead of a DeMello going forward um, or a Dylan in that top four, right? I think uh, I think that's the way to go, and that's the way I'd go, and I think that's the way they're gonna go. Is either I, I don't think Walker or Carrier. Um, I also threw out Jacob Chikrin in an article recently. I think that's very unlikely. I don't even think Ottawa moves him, but if he's on the board again, another puck mover that can play both the left and right side. I think we've got like what we're gonna see either I, I don't know these next couple of days or on the trade deadline day is the Jets making two more moves and they're both just kind of depth moves for one depth move for a forward maybe. And one definitely, I think they definitely add a defenseman, whether it's they go for a top four guy and use the Montreal second rounder, or they just, you know, throw out a fourth and a fifth and go acquire a a steady seventh defenseman. Um, We'll see, but I think they definitely add a defenseman and, uh, and uh, Matt Hyman bringing up sealer blocks, a lot of shots. Um, that would fit well in the bonus system for sure. And uh, I think, do you think the Chris Tanev move affects what the Jets are going to do it like in the next couple days here? Because w- if the Stars hadn't acquired Tanev, I could see a route where the Jets just stay with Monaghan and like that's their move. Um, but now that I think that the Stars have added Tanev, I think now they might uh, they might go for that and really, I don't know. I don't know because that's their main competition in their division yeah. in the West, arguably um, them or Vancouver, Vancouver made their move as well. But what do you think? Do you think that changed their plans at all? Um, I, I mean, I, it can't, 
you know, hurt the fact that they probably need to, you know, make a move now. That's the thing. Like, um, you know, we've seen, you know, obviously the idea of you need to bolster the defensive group. You need to bolster the forward group. Um, you know, I just want to quickly bring up just because it was something that was brought up in the comments here. Uh, Ty Emerson from the, the sharks, uh, has kind of come out of nowhere and started playing really, really effective hockey. He could be a guy that you, you know, pro as you said, like bringing a depth guy, Mm -hmm. if that top four isn't available. And I think that he would be a great fit on that, uh, on that third pairing. Um, but what you also have to look at here is Colorado. They have not made a move yet. They will. Yeah. I, I'm they, certain they will. They're getting and a something second line like notable. They're getting yeah. a second line forward, whether it's a center and or a winger or whatever, they're getting one. Yeah. I, I truly think, I think we make, I think the jets make one depth move. I think that's a guarantee. They always do it. Um, but I think there is one more notable move in Kevin Sheveldayoff's bag here that we need to figure out what that is. It feels as if the forward market is more available to make an impact move. That defensive group, unless there's a guy off the board that we haven't seen yet, which would not be out of the character of Kevin Sheveldayoff, just call right. a team and be like, hey, this, this dude available? Um, yeah, we saw that with the Stasty move. It felt like any big move the Jets have made. The Monaghan one was really the first thing for me that I was like, we were linked to him and then we traded for him. And he was at the top it, of every trade board. And exactly. You, you but it, it felt yeah. like every deal that happened before this in terms of bigger names kind of came out of nowhere. Like the, obviously the Stastny deal, there was some Nino. linking between uh, like the Nino deal. There was some linking between uh, the Jets and the Rangers on Hayes, but it was kind of like, oh, he's like a top three, you know, trade target. Uh, and then they brought him in. Like it's a, mm -hmm. a situation where I truly think that the best organizations do a really good job of keeping things fairly quiet. So I think there's something there. And I, I truly think that the forward group has the opportunity to be upgraded. And I think that's where Kevin Sheveldayoff goes. Um, because, you know, if we're going to be acquiring a, you know, as it says there, like a, a five to seven defenseman, just bring up Billy Hanel. Right. He's going to play that role anyways. And Hey, I, I could see the presser right now. Chevy saying the, the trade deadline, internal upgrade, internal upgrade. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I think I think that's a definite possibility. <clears throat> I haven't asked uh, Dave Manuke of Illegal Curve. He he covers the Moose. He's been at mainly every game. Um, I haven't asked him how he's looked since coming back. But Rick Bonus in a presser the other week, I want to say, said uh, he's he's coming along. He hasn't been the same player. I mean, he's coming off of a major ankle injury, so he's not going to be the exact same player. Um, Ronnie bringing up a great question here: Who are you open to trade? only picks um i don't think i think prospects are on the table i'm gonna go out and say i i don't know if you agree with me brian but rucker mcgordy is untouchable and not it only for the not only for the player that he's going to be on the ice and the player that he is right now on the ice like lighting up the ncaa scored a huge goal last night i think they were playing minnesota um, and it was four, four, three minutes left and he banged home a rebound. Um, he's having a fantastic season. Uh, you add in the fact that off the ice, his character is through the roof. He's going to be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Like after Adam Lowry, it's going to be Rucker McGordy. He's been a captain his whole life, every level of hockey. Um, 
and he's going to be he has he has a ceiling of like a top six middle six power forward nino niederreiter um with finishing talent type um who he, he might even play a role this season um missing monk bringing up a good point here bring up rucker and villy i mean rucker could play a role in the playoffs this year like 100 like they yeah fans would riot if they traded rucker choice choice SCK um bring it up like I I think he's untouchable man like the the impact he's already made on fans off the ice I think makes him makes him untouchable he's a future captain of this team and that's without even mentioning uh what he's done on the ice and what he's what he's going to do on the ice for this team um so I think he's untouchable Lambert as well uh definitely uh, I hear out that discussion as well depending on obviously which player you're getting um but do you think, do you agree with me? Is Rutger, Rutger feels untouchable? He feels like the only untouchable prospect to me at this point. Because Lambert, I think, is very close to, he is, I mean, depending on who you're trading for, obviously. If you're trading for Jake Gensel, it's like, well. That's the thing. Like, I don't yeah. feel like you are as reluctant to trade a guy that there's, there, there's still questions about um, mm-hmm. with Lambert. Because, like, he's only just started to find his way at the center ice position um and i think that he's probably the closest i i still don't know how much they value colby barlow because he's still very like fairly new in the organization i think i think Chaz lucius is a name that we need to watch because i think that one he still does hold value i don't think that his injury history has totally tanked his value um but I do still think that he might be a change of scenery guy to uh, to have in a deal as a prospect because um, we're now on injury like number five and surgery number four for him. Yeah, and Rough. for a guy of his age, he was just drafted in 2020. Uh, yeah. Like it's 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 tough to see because I, I'm a huge fan of what he can do when he's healthy but I feel mm-hmm. like he is a guy to leverage the existing value on in a deal for uh, an impact guy. Um, yeah. And I, I truly think that, and that's the thing, like I'm, I'm very much of the mindset that no one should really be untouchable, but I also, I need to be realistic because uh, the jets clearly value a lot in what Rutger McGrory brings to the team now and in the future. Um, yeah. I, I haven't heard them talk about, a prospect quite the way they've talked about Rucker. Like, yeah. The way they like, I'm sorry, pinning a guy to already be like a future captain material and he's never played an NHL game is insane to me. And the fact yeah. that he's doing this and he could win the Hobie Baker this year. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a situation where I have never seen a situation where the team has talked a player up this much before he has even, you know, got there and his, his little stuff mm-hmm. during the, uh, you know, development camp and everything. And like, it, it's one of those things where I think that the team views him as untouchable unless you're getting Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I remember posting videos. I remember being at development camp, seeing him um, coming out off the ice. And there, there were obviously younger fans looking for autographs. And there were older fans who, I mean, I posted this one video. This guy walked up to Rutger and just was talking to him. Didn't even want an autograph. Didn't want anything. Rutger's standing there giving him his full attention, having a full conversation with this guy. He just wanted to talk. And I'm like, that? You don't see that. And uh, he's an incredible. And then he spent another 20 minutes on the the walkway 
signing autographs, talking to yep. people, um, asking these young kids, you know, do you play hockey? What position do you like? He, it's 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 really unbelievable, and it's rare in in professional athletes. And I think um, he's an incredible leader, and I think the Jets value that in a massive way. And that's that just screams Winnipeg. Him coming off the yep. ice to just have a conversation with with a random guy that just walks up to him, doesn't even want an autograph, just treating him like a a normal human being, like a Winnipegger. Like that's, that's, that's Winnipeg. That's just, he, he's Winnipeg. And uh, I think the jets are excited to bring him in and he might even play a role this season. We're nearing an hour here. Thank you to everyone who is live with us. Our third edition of LFP live. And as always, we're going to end off the program here with questions. So drop questions below, um, a kind of an ask LFP. We'll try and get to as many as we can. We're going to try and rapid fire. Um, but yeah, once again, Thank you to everyone. While you're down there, drop a like, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you know when we're going live every Sunday. We're also releasing YouTube videos Tuesdays and Thursdays and podcasts. So subscribe there. If you prefer the podcast version, you know, driving to work, whatever the case may be. Um, and upcoming this week, we've got a guest. We'll we'll preview it at the end. Um, we've got a guest on our episode tomorrow, which will be coming out Tuesday. But drop your comments below. Um Brian, this this has been a blast. Um, it third has. edition of LFP Live. You know, I'm getting used to it now. And uh, you know, live streams before, I was like, oh man, everyone's <laughs> watching me in real time. And now I'm like, now what everyone's watching up? me in real time. But wrong? please ask me a question because I want to talk. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I feel like um, before we get into the questions here, I just want to I want to say one quick thing, and I want to know your thoughts on this. Um, yeah. Matt dropped this into the comments and I don't disagree with it. That being said, I want to bring up my stance on, because I realized I've kind of like alluded to it, but I haven't outright said it. My stance on why I think this is the, like, I know last year I went on about it, but this is the year that they go all in. You've got okay. Hellebuck playing better than he's ever played. Mm -hmm. The last year that both Shifley and Hellebuck are below seven. Right. Um, yeah. So you've got that. And, you know, in a, in a few years, as Matt says, and th this is not a, a not a shot at you, Matt. It's just a, a free, using it as a point. Um, Colby Barlow, his shot on the power play in a few years is kind of null and void based on what they do this year, right? So I'm of the mindset that if the opportunity is there, you use what could be a future success to turn it into a current success. Yeah. And I truly think that this is one of those years where in terms of uh, cap, in terms of uh, successes, um, this might be the the point where you have to evaluate and say, this is our best shot to add a true impact guy without going over the cap by too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, it's the, the saying that banners fly forever and it's uh it, it's definitely something that the Jets have considered, you know, going all in. Um, and maybe that Carolina game proved to them that, hey, this this team is special. This team is different. Yeah. Um, what we haven't seen in years past. Right. So I, I definitely agree with you. Let's get into some of the questions. All right. Not Maul. Yeah, let's do it. Not Maul. Should Ehlers stay on the top line even when Gabe comes back? My simple answer is yes. Um, yes. It can be with Gabe. It can be with Gabe. It can be Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde. That line has been incredible. Um, they were incredible when Kyle Connor was out. Uh, or it could even be 
you know, Connor Shafley Ehlers, as we saw yesterday, as we might see today. And uh, Gabriel Velarde slots in on that second line. Brian? Uh, I'm right there. That's the thing. Like, right there. I don't, yeah. I don't care what the situation is um, when Velarde comes back. Ehlers has to stay stapled to Shifley. And yep. I think that is the, the best way for you to optimize your offense going forward. I agree. Uh, Kabilis, Heli for heart trophy consideration. I, I actually wrote a piece about this. I was going to say, I'll like, turn this over to you. Cause you wrote about this. I wrote about this like a while ago though, like a month and a half ago. I want to say, um, right when the jets were fresh off of like, they had just lost that, uh, long three game, uh, three goals or less streak 34 games. That's when I wrote the piece. I still believe it to this day. He's having the best goaltender season we've seen in probably a decade, like since Carey Price in 2015. Like he's, he's having on pace to like smash his little his his underlying stats, his his micro stat. Yeah. Like it's insane what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. And uh, I think he should definitely be in the heart trophy consideration. Having said that, and I know this is not going to go over well with the people that are watching. If Austin Matthews hits 70 goals or 75 goals, that should win him the heart. That's my take. But I know I, 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 I realize that this is a Jets audience and that that won't go over well. But um, but yeah, I think I think what he's doing, what Hellbuck's doing and what Matthews is doing and what Kucherov's doing and what McKinnon's doing and McDavid, uh, you've got a really strong heart trophy race going down the stretch here. C-Mac, who do you hope the Jets face in the first round? I've talked plenty about how the one seed is very important playing one of those wildcard teams. Um, I'd rather face Colorado than Dallas hundred percent because Dallas seems to have the jets number. If you get the one seed, uh, I think the two wildcard teams for now are LA and Nashville. I think I'd rather play Nashville, even though they're rolling lately. I mean, LA would be entertainment central Dubois. Oh, that would be the, so the like that would be so that would be awesome. And I think it's, it's possible like Vancouver gets the one seed. The Jets get the one seed as well, but lower than Vancouver. So the Jets play the number one wildcard team like this. Definitely a possibility. Um, who do you want to see the Jets face in the first round if they're the two seed and if they're the one seed playing a wildcard team? Uh, if they're the one seed, I think I'm with you on Nashville. I feel like they still have too many question marks and just a lot's going right for them right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Soros has not been himself this year yeah. and they're still winning, you know, in spite of that. Um, and then as the two seed, as weird as like truly, like obviously we haven't seen them in a while. But Colorado just feels like they're open for the taking. Yeah. Like they just don't feel like that dominant force they have been. They don't have goaltending. Georgiev has been so hot and cold this year, and he's been more cold than hot. So yeah, yeah. I think that's where where I stand on that. Yeah. Steven Freeze asking, should LB get more starts? He's starting tonight. Um, we're in the month of March where the Jets are going to be playing 400,000 million games in 30 days. So he's going to play a, he's yes, you can, that is confirmed. Um, no, but he's going to play a lot more in the month of March and he should, he's earned it. Rick bonus even talked. What was Brassois last start? I'm blanking completely, but whatever his last start St. was St. Louis, St. Louis. Yes. Thank you. After that game, he talked about how they're going to play more going forward and he's earned it. And the schedule asks for it. Um, you agree? I'm assuming. Yeah. LB get more. Yeah. Start. Like, I, I, it, yeah. it feels as if he needs to get the net a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what do you think of the PWHL playoff format from Matt Hyman? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read this the other day. It's the, the one seed gets to choose their first round playoff opponent. 
And then I, I also saw from the day playoffs are settled or something, they're doing the thing where um, it's not a lottery for the number one pick. You have to like beat the team that you're not in the playoffs with in points. So like whoever's the better team of the two that don't make the playoffs gets the number one overall pick in the upcoming draft, which I love. That's, that's awesome. Yes. Um, but what do you think of like kind of the choice that they have to like choose whatever team they want to play in the first round? Like if the jets got the one seed, they could choose LA or Nashville. Like, I think that's, that's pretty cool. I don't know. The PWHL is doing so many things that I've wanted to see in terms of just like changing the game. And I really love watching PWHL hockey. And especially like I love their, in addition to their their playoff format, I love the idea of selecting your opponent because that also, it creates a level of like respect because if you select an opponent over someone else, then that team's like, oh, they're they're scared of us. And then if you meet down the line, it's a whole thing. Um, But I love what the PWHL does with like their jailbreak, where if you score shorthanded, it negates the oh yeah the, the power play. That's um, cool, yeah. Like it's I stuff like that, that. and like and the, as like the whole gold format, um, where it's yeah, essentially as soon as you're eliminated from the playoffs, you start accumulating points to earn the right to select first, and I think that's great because then it discourages tanking, and especially in a smaller league like that right now, it, that would be tough um but no i i i just have one thing to say about this and i think that the pwhl is doing it really really well and yeah so matt yeah first choose between third and fourth after math yeah exactly um it is a league that is doing a lot of we want to show you that we're you know trying to change the game a little bit here and make an impact Mm. watch the pwhl it is so exciting it is great um and i i I honestly i'd like to talk about it more on the on the pod and uh you know it's i think the the best thing about it is it's it, you can literally watch it anywhere it's on it's on cbc it's, it's on, on youtube Day. it is on youtube it is on tsn it is one of those things yeah. that is so available to watch and that is exactly what they needed to do exactly. and it is working yeah. everyone likes it the attendance is great they just had the the battle on bay street which had 19,000 people for toronto montreal like it's yeah. just crazy but no and, watch the pwhl it's great yeah agreed and if there's one thing that I'd like to take from the PWHL and apply it to the NHL. It's the accessibility to watch the damn sport because, Oh my God, we can't watch NHL games without a blackout or whatever, like TV restrictions. It's ridiculous. Will bones keep Ehlers on the top line? That is the main question. Um, After that last game, I think it's, it'd be tough to take him off, but again, if Vlardy comes back, yeah, Vlardy's out tonight, but if he comes back, Tuesday, he, I could totally see him just bumping him right back down. Do the Leafs get past the first? Or sorry, I missed I missed a question here from Ronnie. What bad contract would you add to get off the books to trade for an impact guy if possible? I think the the answer is Nate Schmidt here. He's, he's making almost $6 million for this year and next. Yeah. Um, frees up a lot of money next year to re-sign a Monaghan, to re-sign Perfetti. Um, they won't struggle to re-sign those guys with how much money they're making right now, but or how much money they're making, how much money they have projected to have. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I think Schmidt is the obvious one there. Is this season a lost year for Hanela? I mean, the injury kind of feels like I'm really far back. Yeah. 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 You can Matt Hyman <laughs> asking. Can Ehlers, yeah. It's just like, yeah, I mean, kind of next year, I think is the year for Hanela because he won't be waivers exempt. That's he has to play. The, he has to play. Um, can Ehlers handle extra minutes over the long haul? 
it's a genuine question. I'm not sure. I mean, it's a fair question. He he did get hurt last year. He got hurt. Uh, he got hurt twice last year, and then he got hurt with neck spasms to start the year this year. Um, I it's a genuine question. I think the Jets need him on the top line for their offense to really click, though. That's the that's the caveat to that. Yeah, I know. I th- I think he can handle it, and we've sh- like he's shown throughout his entire career when you play Ehlers in a top line role, he succeeds. Right. Mm-hmm. So like it, there's, there's enough to show that uh, it it does work. And I'm also, I've been on record saying too, I don't think he's injury prone. I just think that he's one of those guys that will occasionally get caught in bad spots based on how he plays and he plays so fast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you look at the first like five seasons of his career, he played an average of 78 games a year. And it was only like the last couple that he's had some injury issues. But I think that, yeah, I think he can manage the minutes very well. And if anything, he'll actually make those minutes better. Yeah, agreed. Um, not Maul. Is Logan Stanley tall? Yes. I, I would I would say sources say yes. Source My sources are indicating. Yes. Got to give Helly a rest for the long playoff run. I agree. And I think this year they, they're much better. Like they're way, they're set up way better. Sorry, it took me a long way to get to that. They're set up way better. Uh, to give him a rest going into the playoffs than they were last year. Last year, they were fighting for their playoff lives down the stretch. They couldn't bench him. Their backup was David Riddick, who's actually having a good year in LA, but weirdly, yeah. Um, C-Mac is 400,000 million games in March, hard to cover. How many LFPs do you need to have to cover cover that many games? A lot, and it's very difficult to cover. We have such a tough, tough job doing this podcast. Oh, it's... Unfortunately. Every day I wake (laughs) up and I'm I'm just sore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from from talking from just yapping my, my throat <laughs> ow <laughs> billy blast will gabriel velarde finish the season healthy i think so i mean i think they're gonna give him again like the hellebuck you can give him a rest you can give velarde as much time as he needs to get healthy him being sent back to winnipeg to be reevaluated um not great although he was like a game time decision saturday so that was interesting um but i don't think it's i don't think it's too too serious um I, I, I wouldn't be too worried just yet. Obviously, we'll hear from bonus maybe today or back when they're at home on Tuesday against the Seattle Kraken. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. Can Lambert be an Ehlers replacement in two years? Speed and dynamic stick handling, skiing through traffic and shooting at full speed. I think he can be in certain ways. And the, the main way I see is zone entries. Like Ehlers is one of the best players in the NHL, if not, the best after Connor McDavid at entering the zone with control of the puck. Um, and I think Lambert can replace that in a lot of ways because yeah. of the speed, because of the stick handling, he's able to maneuver his way into the zone. Um, and Lambert, I think can do this, the same thing. What do you think as Lambert and Ehlers kind of being comparable players in a sense? Uh, I think that there's, there's aspects, I think. And I think that that's one of those things that we need to see, I think Lambert has one more full year in the AHL to fully, you know, get to that point where I can make a definitive assessment as to his impact of the NHL. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I think that there are aspects of his game that absolutely translate into Nikolai Ehlers style. I just don't know if you yeah. can replace all of the good that uh, Ehlers has brought to this team and it, it'd be tough to fill those it- shoes. It would, but I, I think Lambert's going to be a good player. And I think he's going to oh, be 100%. a hundred percent. I'm not saying he yeah. won't, but I right. just don't know if that value Healers would be is, yes. that level. Yeah. 
I agree. And I skipped over this question earlier, but Doug asking, do the Leafs get past the first round? I actually I don't, don't know who they'd so. be playing. Well, like Florida or Boston in the in the first round. I I yeah. like regardless of who they're playing, I think they have depth issues. Um and uh and like Matthews, yes, he's gonna score 70 goals and maybe win the heart. Nylander just got a shiny new contract, he's been great. Uh, but goaltending, like Samsonov's been hot and cold this year. He's now like decent. Joseph Wolves coming off of a massive injury. I don't know. And then defensively, like outside of Morgan Riley, who's not even a true number one, I'm not really moved at their defense core. I don't know. I, I yeah, Jeff Cabela is saying if it's Boston night night. I I agree. Like Boston's just yeah. got them beat. In I, I I yeah. Do you do you think the Leafs get past the first round? I think the only way they get past is somehow if they don't end up running into Boston. I think that's the only way because uh, I feel like I think that, it's honestly, Boston because Florida's like first in the league. Like they're, they're yeah, way I, I think yeah. this whole thing is too where um, I think the Rangers are the only team that you can pounce on because they have moments. But even then, like, I mean, they beat them last night in a shootout, but it just feels like a road where they cannot get over that hill. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Um, Matt Hyman bringing up how good is Monahan hardest working jet this week. Matt actually called it um, earlier in the week. So I got to give him props. Maybe I will give Monahan the hardest working jet tonight's game is huge. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, if you're not checking out my stuff on Winnipeg sports talk, um, Matt's alluding to the hardest working jet. I hand that out every week. Super fun. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's all the questions here. I don't think yeah. I missed any unless you, you saw one that I missed. I don't I think. think we did. Uh, if okay. we did, sorry. Uh, sorry. But and we are nearing uh, an hour 20. So it is yeah. a point where we need to start wrapping things up here. People got people got things to do on a Sunday morning. It's a Sunday, you know, man. Yeah, absolutely. They, well, they've had everyone... their, yeah. Go ahead. They had their coffees. They've, you know, their, their coffee is empty now. So either they have to go get a new coffee yes. or they have to go do start doing things now. So yeah, we're yes. going to wrap here. Yes, let's do it. Um, enjoy the game tonight, everyone. Again, yes. super skilled young team in Buffalo. Should be a really fun one to watch. Um, stay glued to our socials at Level Flight WPG on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. We will be posting things from the game. Um, so keep an eye on that. And we will be posting an episode Tuesday. I said it earlier. I didn't say his name. Kind of kept the suspense. But Marada Tesh of The Athletics is going to be joining us. Um, so check out on your podcast feed on YouTube on Tuesday. Brian, I know you're hyped to have Marat back on the pod. That that that'll be great. Listen, I am just so excited to talk trades, and this is like that's the thing. Like it's it's a very busy type of year, uh, and you know you're getting to a point where you can't avoid the trade talks. So you might as well embrace yeah. it. So yeah, we're bringing Marat on to you know talk some. Obviously, we're going to talk about the games that just happened, uh, but we're going to talk trades because we are less than a week until the yes. deadline so yeah stay as as connor said stay glued to our our socials um you know your podcast feeds however you get it whether it's on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, whatever um and uh yeah we're, we're going to be posting that first thing tuesday morning so be ready yes uh stay ready for that that's going to be super fun like you said talking trades hopefully the jets don't make their move before then which then oh, we, we can, we, talk we can break it move. down then we can break it down yeah so join us if you can tuesday youtube and podcast it'll be on apple spotify google wherever you get it um yeah people people already in chat giving their 
their thumbs up for the Marat uh, guest appearance. So we're super excited for that. But thank you everyone for checking out our third edition of LFP Live. On the way out, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you don't miss that interview with Marat. So follow us it's going to be Twitter. a fun one. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and yeah, join us again next Sunday for the fourth edition of LFP Live. That's going to be super fun. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone who joined us on this Sunday morning, is in chat, letting their thoughts heard, asking us questions. We really appreciate it. Um, and we're we're super excited to keep this going moving forward. Um, Brian, Absolutely. on the way out, any any last thoughts? Just thanks again, everyone, for joining us and choosing to you know watch us on your uh, on your Sunday mornings. And uh, yeah, we will see you first thing Tuesday morning with a new episode. Yeah, see you guys then, and uh, we will see you again live next Sunday. Um, so come back for that. But talk to you soon Tuesday with Marat Atesh from the Athletic. See you. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 